Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. You're listening to Green and Gold Grey Cup Week on 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 630, Chet, and uh, pleased to welcome to the show one of the all-time greats for the E football team, former receiver Brian Kelly. Brian, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm fine, Reed. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. It is very uh, cool to speak with you. Uh, let, first of all, before we dive into some, some memories and stuff like that, let people know what you're up to these days. Well, I live in Minneapolis. Uh, we've lived here for 20 years. Um, live in a high-rise condo, <laughs> looking out over the city. Um, in my spare time, I moved on from football to triathlons. I do uh, triathlons. <laughs> I swim, run, and bike. And um, that's my hobby these days, to keep somewhat in shape. And um, other than that, you know, my wife and I, we're just down here and enjoying life. Well, as much as we can be these days, let me say that. Well, yeah, extremely different. What what got you into triathlons? You know, I woke up one day and I thought, I think I'm going to run a marathon. And then I started running marathons. And after running, I don't know, 25 or 30 marathons, I thought, oh, I'm going to start doing some triathlons. And then I um, started doing triathlons. I, I do the Ironman variety, which are the real long ones. And um, actually, this year I was supposed to be in Kona doing the World Championships um, for the Ironman, but of course that was postponed due to the COVID virus. So I get to wait another year and give a shot next year. Uh, now, would you, when you prepare for a triathlon, tell tell me what your your daily training is like. Will you do something every day? Or are you one day on, one day off? How do you approach it? Uh, no, I mean, most days I work out twice a day. Um, I probably, in a nutshell, I swim twice a week, run three times a week, ride my bike four times a week, you know, stretch, try to lift weights. It's a um, rather consuming hobby, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just a bit of a busy... No, no, have you done any of the extreme long distances, or what's the longest one you've done? Well, I do the Ironman, which is you swim two and a half miles, then you ride your bike 112, and then you run a marathon, which is 26, 22. I've done 17 of those, and this next one coming up in Hawaii is the big one, and that'll be my 18th. And then I don't know where I'll go from there. How do you compare the process of preparing for a triathlon with the process of preparing for a football game? Preparing for a football game was a lot easier. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'll but, tell you that. But but no one's trying to to uh, tear your head off though in a triathlon. You're not getting hit. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
There's other demons at battle that are trying to take you down in a triathlon besides an opposing player. What's uh, what's the most uncomfortable experience you've had in a race? Well, um, you know, as, as anything in a, any sport, there's always a learning curve. And, and one particular event I did, I, I wasn't really able to run much in preparation because I kind of had a leg injury. And so anyways, I went out and did the event and I, I rode the bike the fastest I'd ever run on the bike or ridden the bike on this course. And I mean, it was like six hours and something, or maybe just under six. And then I got off the bike and had to run a marathon. And, and after about mile one, I knew I was done, just totally fried. I had nothing left and I had 25 more miles to go. And I struggled through about 17 more. And then I ended up kind of collapsing and ending up in an ambulance. So oh, that was a great goodness. learning experience. Yeah, oh. you know what? I learned more that day than any other day, I can tell you. <laughs> so. Well, that's talk a, about it. So there you go. Well, that's a good point. Well, thanks for sharing that. That that's cool. That uh, that's where your your athleticism has has taken you. And I and I love those stories. I I do distance running, but I'm nowhere near at the at the level you or a lot of people are. But I, but I do enjoy uh, I do enjoy the endurance uh, sports. And, and and the thing is, it's it's not just pushing your body; it's pushing your mind. Right. That's what I found. Absolutely. I mean, if you could take your brain out and put it in a jar on the day of an event, that would be the best possible option available, but that just doesn't seem to happen. <laughs> Brian Kelly joining us on Inside Sports as we kick off Green and Gold Great Cup Week here on Inside Sports. Of course, Brian, one of the all-time greats to play uh, for Edmonton. He's in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Brian, let's go all the way back, though. Um, first coming to Edmonton. What do you remember? Did, did you know anything about the CFL, about the, about the green and gold? Tell us about the introduction to the team in the city. Well, you know, I went to Washington State University and Hugh Campbell, who was the coach at the time, also went to Washington State. So I'm sure he followed the Cougars just being an alumni. And so I, I assume that's how he may have seen me play. Um, you know, I was just a 22-year-old kid, going to graduate college. I, I mean, I remember clearly I had given no thought as to what I might do like kids do today. Um, but I would, and then I got a phone call saying, do you want to come to Edmonton? And it was like, well, why not? It's not like I was doing anything else. So I just got in my car, drove essentially from Spokane up to Edmonton, um, got here, stayed at the hotel. And I remember the first night I was here, they had this television show on about the Eskimos and Joe Farragelli was the coach at the time, the offensive, the offensive coach. And he was going through the list of receivers of who was coming in and who to watch for. And of the 11 receivers they had coming in, I was the 11th. And I thought, Ran, really? This, <laughs> this doesn't look so good right now, but I just hung in there and it kind of worked out. Okay. So, so what, so, What's the story with 78 You in 1978? Because everything I've looked at, you're not listed as a Grey Cup champ in 78, but were you with the team? What's the story here? I was. I came up in 1978, and in about the first third day of practice or whatever, Joe Holloman was a defensive back, and he was a big guy. And he stepped on my ankle, and I had a real odd ankle injury that uh, essentially sidelined me for a month at, at least 
and and by the time I came back, um, the season was already going, and Coach Campbell said, well, do you just want to hang around on, I don't know, whatever they called it, the practice roster, it's time. And the one thing I saw, though, before I got hurt, that if given a chance, I knew that I could play in the Canadian Football League. So that first year, I just kind of hung around, went to practice, I, and, and then, um, you know, I uh, the team won the Grey Cup. That was their first one. And then the second year, 1979, is when I, um, you know, the you know the during training camp I earned a spot, and that was kind of my the way I got on the, the team. All right, so here's the the million dollar question. You know, five in a row. What 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 separated that club? It's not like the Double E had a monopoly on talent, and other teams didn't have good players. It, it's hard to win, and it's certainly hard to win year after year because then you know everybody's gunning for you. What 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 kept that team so successful for so long? Well, I do think that we had better players by far. I think uh, right across the board. They were just a uh, real superior group of players that happened to come together at one time. And my dad, who used to follow the team, and, and he would he was in Los Angeles and, and came to some of the games, but not many, but he followed us closely. I, I know one time he said, you know, he asked, he was asking about Coach Campbell. He says, like, tell me about this Coach Campbell. It says, it seems to me from watching your team, if somebody just opened the door, and let you guys out that you would win and i said well uh, he's a really good coach because you know but i said we had really i think superior talent i mean from tom wilkinson to warren moon to dan kepley that was just an amazingly fearsome player and dave Fennell and david boone and dale potter just the the group of another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Players, uh, I really think they were, they were just better than others at that time. Well, uh, obviously five in a row, and and it was an interesting time because it, that team sort of went through the transition from Wilkinson at quarterback to to Moon, incredibly pres- important position. Obviously, you had a rapport with with both of them, but what did you sort of see there, seeing Tom later in his career and, and Warren on the rise? It's kind of interesting dynamic. It was. I mean, Tom Wilkinson was the leader of the team because Warren and I, you know, Warren went to the University of Washington and I went to Washington State. So we played against each other in college. I was certainly aware of them. Um, we ended up in Edmonton at the same time. We were the same age. Um, Warren, it was clear to see, obviously, was an immense talent. But though Tom was finishing his career was really important to the continuity of Warren kind of being groomed and coming along at a reasonable pace so that when he finally took over, there wasn't, you know, any sort of hiccups in the success. And Tom, just being the type of person he is, and everyone knows the stories about Tom's leadership, uh, it was just another example. You know, he took Warren under his wing and just got him prepared. He knew he was, everything he was telling Warren was getting Tom one step closer to not having a job. But 
he was, you know, the captain of the team, and, and that's what a captain does, I guess. Brian Kelly joining us tonight on Inside Sports. I want to ask you about a couple specific great cup games here. 1981 is, is often remembered um, because it came down to the last play and you guys went in heavily favored. You won 14 games during the season. Ottawa only won five, but Oh, by the way, they were ahead of you by 19 points at halftime. What do you remember about that halftime and, uh, and that second half being able to come back in that game? Um, well, the first half was a complete disaster, and uh, that led us to being down by 19. But the key points, and it's been well not gone over, is that um, Coach Campbell pulled Warren, because it was Warren's team that year, and it was Wilkie's last game, actually, that day. And uh, But he pulled Warren late in the second quarter, because we, we were just going nowhere really fast. And uh, Tom came in and settled things down. And even in the locker room at halftime, it wasn't really the coaches that did much. And I mean, what coach has a speech for when you're favored by 30 and you're down by 20 at halftime? You know, there's not a whole lot of coaches that have a whole lot of inspiration at that point. But Tom got up and uh, he kind of just said what needed to be said. We went out, Warren took over in the second half and we somehow eked out a a, a victory and you know it, of all the games of the five in a row it was probably the by far the worst game that we had played but it was probably it turns out the most important game because none of the others would have occurred if uh that we hadn't have eked that one game out in 87 uh you guys were back in the gray cup for the first time since winning the five in a row 38 36 over toronto uh, again a late field goal but uh, i i gotta ask you this where what, what was your view for gizmo's missed field goal return <laughs> that highlight still gets played every year oh yeah no i mean that was one of the great probably canadian football league highlights uh you know uh henry was a, a fantastic and gifted return specialist and yeah i mean he he pulled he pulled one of the best returns oh i'd say he pulled the best return i have ever seen out on that particular day because that was a spectacular play by henry uh, uh brian be, before we let you go i just want to hit on a couple more with you and thanks for doing this i mean fans are, are really happy to hear from you why why do you think i mean you you were one of the greats you had all these thousand yard seasons you're in the canadian football league hall of fame when you look back on it um why did it work for you? I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of players would love to have half the career you, you had. What 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 made it work for you out there? Well, I think two things. I mean, I, you know, lots of sports. You know, there has to be some sort of meshing between your skills and the sport. And and you know, I played in the U.S. college system, and, and while I enjoyed it, I suppose I was okay. I didn't have the success that I did in Canada. My skills as a receiver really fit the Canadian game. And the second and by far the most important thing is every quarterback that I played with is in the hall of fame. So it's not like I had any slackers, slackers throwing me the football from Matt Dunnigan to Damon Allen to Tom Wilkinson to Warren Moon. I mean, uh, I had the best of the best throwing me the ball. So obviously that made things immensely easily on my part. Well, I, I think they felt pretty comfortable throwing it your way too, though, knowing, knowing that you were going to catch it. Uh, Brian, be, before I let you go tonight, and again, thanks for being so generous with your time and, and kicking off Green and Gold Grey Cup Week on the show. 
a lot of your fans are listening tonight. A lot of people who remember those great teams, remember you as a great player. Just what would you like to say to them? That I love the, the thing I, of all the things I would say, probably, you know, there's great cups that we won and um, passes that I was lucky enough to catch and touchdowns and all that stuff. The one thing, especially to the Edmonton fans that I was particularly proud of, and, and probably the thing I am most proud of is that I only played with the Edmonton Eskimos or the Edmonton Football Club, what it's called now. I only played in Edmonton, and I only wanted to play in Edmonton. And I know at one time they were thinking of trading me somewhere for something, and uh, I was very distraught because I only wanted to play in Edmonton. And so I, I take great pride in, in only playing with one city and playing in that field and for those fans. And that was just so important to me, and I hope that they enjoyed watching when I was out there. Yeah, well, absolutely they did. Brian, thank you so much for doing this. Um, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for sharing some memories and, and reconnecting with a lot of your fans here tonight. And and uh, and all the best getting through the pandemic and all the best with your next triathlon, of course, sir. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. No need to call me, sir. <laughs> okay. that, that is that is Brian Kelly checking in tonight as we kick off a green and gold Grey Cup week here at Inside Sports. We'll have some of your favorite players talk about some of the biggest plays all week long here on Inside Sports. We'll take a quick timeout. All right, that was Brian Kelly, and that was the start of Green and Gold Grey Cup week here on Inside Sports. So uh, you also heard from Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, CFLPA President Solomon Elamibian, and Jeff McQuinney, the keeper of the Grey Cup. I'm going to hand it over to Morley and Dave for the Double E Football Team Coaches Show. They will announce the winner of the 630 Chet Ultimate Virtual Grey Cup House Party. My name's Reed. Have a good night. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.